0: Hi there. (gasps) Hi. Hi. Oh, good. I was like, oh, no, not some mercury retrograde. Ah. Hello. How are you? I am I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good, and I'm really happy to be doing this with you both.
1: Well, we just kind of start. <laughs> okay,
0: I, you're, you guys are you guys are like my jam. This sounds like improvisational theater
2: or something.
1: Kind of, yeah. yeah. So welcome to another episode, episode of
2: as woo
1: woo as you want with
2: Celine
1: Jeremiah. And, and we're incredibly honored and kind of just shocked.
2: Yep, totally. Um, <laughs> and
1: like beyond, uh, you know, beyond joyful to have the one, the only Tosha Silver.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> God.
1: So, so uh. well, Tosha, you haven't listened to any of these, have you?
0: No, oh. I just okay. think the title's hilarious. <laughs> and Jeremiah is a as I was saying before we got online, he's like a family member. So I'm happy to be here.
1: Well, you are, you're, 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 you're like my spiritual mama. Um, and I feel like you're, you're honestly the spiritual mama for like my whole family. So you're, <laughs> you're absolutely family as well. Um, well, for, for the people who have been listening, Th- this is kind of full circle yes, in a this really is funny your, way. You
2: peaked here. <laughs> You're peaking. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill. Yeah, it's all it's just real. boop. Uh,
0: uh, well, somewhere. it's so
1: funny because, you know, our first episode, we talk about um, kind of how we got into, quote, woo-woo stuff, spirituality, yep. all this, you know, occult, whatever. And for me, it was you, Tosha. Um, yeah. You know, When I had my first reading with you 12 years ago, uh, which I realized was the beginning of this whole Jupiter cycle that's actually just ending, which makes complete Uh, sense. I mean, the whole thing is kind of crazy. Um, You really opened me in so many ways. um, And I think the most important way, and I feel like a, a huge piece of your work is how much you emphasize listening on the inside yeah, L- listening to your intuition and um, that the wisdom you know everyone always looks outside for the answer for, um, for you know the power for whatever and you really taught me that that's all comes from the inside
0: yeah yeah I mean it's funny the you know in a way while like I love because I'm so irreverent I love making fun of, you know, the whole topic of quote unquote woo woo. But truthfully, when you get down to the essence of it, it's the way we would all live if the culture wasn't insane. Because the premise of it isn't anything out of the ordinary. The premise of it is everything that supports nature. You know, it, it basically says you listen on the inside, you act according to your true nature, you don't adapt your nature to popular opinion, the insides will show you. And so you kind of think, well, what, you know, the, the way that that's trivialized by the culture, I mm-hmm. think is just because the feminine is critici- is trivialized. It's, it's the feminine and the masculine that, you know, we all have both inside of us and it's just the way... That inner knowing, which to me is connected to the divine feminine, is just trivialized in a culture that doesn't understand it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. not the answer that you expected, but that's mm-hmm. that's really how I see that with the intuition. It's it's the listening to that great I within. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd love for you to just give us a little bit of your background. Um uh, you know, for anyone who's familiar with your work, they probably are relatively familiar with it, but for those who aren't, because I know th- there are people on who listen to us who know your work, there are people who don't. So um, if if you'd be open to just sharing yeah. a little bit about your path.
0: Well, I mean, I, let's see, I met, I met you, like you were saying, 12 years ago, back when I was still doing readings. Yeah. And... Well, basically, I had about 30 years from the time when I got out of college thinking I was going to become a writer into the next 30 years where, almost by accident, I fell into giving various kinds of intuitive readings, uh, including astrology, um, over a period of 30 years, partly because... I just started doing them in a spontaneous way because I was obsessed with the world of astrology, but I had no intention of having it become my life path. And then it was all word of mouth, and one thing led to another. And meanwhile, the deeper um, assumption about my life, which is that I was going to write, uh, kind of fell by the wayside because I found it really hard to do both. And so at some point after, I guess it was around 2012, I stopped giving readings altogether and started to teach and write. And really what was happening is that even though I had made a living from helping people in that way, the, I guess you could say that the deeper impetus was, to really help people um, connect to um, this inner divine, which I, you know, to me is very interchangeable with the intuition. So even though I loved astrology and I still do, and I, I, you know, still write about it a little and teach it some. The the real focus of all the books I've written have had nothing to do with that. They've really had to do with how do you follow this force of the divine? Because all those years of giving all those thousands of readings, the thing I was really noticing is that it just didn't matter in the end what people's charts were and what their transits were. Over and over and over, they'd been taught to not listen mm-hmm. and to not honor their own knowing and to not hear that... Inner, divine, and so that really became what books I've written have been about.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, for for people who don't know, um, Tosha runs her own online um, community called uh, Living Outra- Outrageous Openness Forum, which is named after her first book, Outrageous Openness. Um, I have three of your books like sitting right in front of me. He does. Right now. <laughs> he does. Um, uh, but um. <laughs> I'm a fanboy, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, in, in those, you do weekly, weekly calls with that forum, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, I do weekly Q and a calls and it's been running for about four years now. There's people from all over the planet that log on to the calls or just get them later when, uh, you know, we, we send them out after each call. And, you know, because I think that this focus, is, you can especially see it, like the most recent book is called It's Not Your Money. And the the focus of each of these books has really been about how do you live this in a practical way? Like a lot of this stuff sounds like a really nice idea. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to follow my inner heart and I'm going to So it's all theoretically a very nice idea but in a culture that doesn't honor that it really, by the time I wrote the most recent book it really became here's an eight week program for how to learn To not only really listen on the inside, but to actually let this force of love take over so it's not just the ego going crazy, trying to make things happen and chase everything like a lunatic, but there's actually something greater on the inside that's guiding things.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I bring up the the forum because, you know, I've taken, I actually took that It's Not Your Money initial course. Oh, oh,
0: were you in that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's...
1: Um, it came at a, quite a crucial time, <laughs> time for me. But, um, uh, you know, in, in those calls, the reason I, I brought up the form and everything, not only to let people know about it, but also because usually at the beginning of your calls or your classes, um, like when you you came to Dumbo um, uh, in Brooklyn, uh, my mom and, and I came and before. Oh, yeah, before yeah, that. Yeah. Before you talk. You'll always kind of give a brief kind of astrological forecast. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think it's it's always interesting the way you you frame it, where it's like you're kind of setting up the scene for what's occurring right now, but that that's not a deterministic. Um, yeah. Scene is just kind of like, it, it, it's the forecast. It's, it's the
2: emotional weather.
1: Right. That's. Um. We interviewed uh, an astrologer who called yeah. it the emotional weather. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean and I think the thing is the I I like viewing it as context and then in a, in a sense it really lifts, you know, people out of that idea of astrological uh, victimization, which I think, can, depending on the sites you go to, can be rampant. Like, well, this is happening, and this is how you're going to feel, and this is, you know, why you should be worried. And it's like, well, actually, when you're learning how to align yourself with something greater than the egoic mind, then the transits come and go, and you can be focusing on holding the center connected to the inside. Regardless of the outer weather, so
1: yeah, right. You know,
0: that the transits be, stop being something to fear,
1: right, and something to even flood. though
0: they can they can get you know they can get kind of wild.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they can.
1: Do, do you yeah. have anything to say about this recent eclipse? Uh, it's been uh, a double eclipse. You know,
0: mostly that. You know, the the one yesterday <clears throat> was was a lunar eclipse, and it was. Uh, opposing Saturn and Pluto, both which you know to me are lords of karma. You know, they're they're Pluto is uh, related to Scorpio and it's related to death and rebirth, and Saturn is the lord of time and and karma. And so, to me, that that eclipse is is a is an ending of sorts. I mean, they all are. We get two or three lunar eclipses every year but this particular one with that opposition is a big ending even though you know we don't necessarily see yet what is ending sometimes it takes 30 days out from the eclipse sometimes it takes 3 months or 6 months but you know that eclipse happens to be on top of my sun in capricorn so it 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 to me a lot of these also depend on your individual chart and how they're impacting you and they might impact one person really strongly because it's so tied in to the chart and somebody else might be like i don't feel this at all because it's just not activating them so right you know again i i think that i it's so helpful to do i all the stuff that's in the books i don't know it's how i live i i they're not just concepts to me i i learn to live this way in order to have some peace and not be driven crazy by an obsessive mind. And I think the people that find these books, they they write all the time and they say, wow, I finally am learning to live with some equanimity and openness to what is and to what is possible. And so I just apply it to the eclipses, like it's great to know, but if you're, using a lot of these concepts and you say let what needs to come come let what needs to go go and show me the right actions that are for the highest good and for the good of the planet to be taking right now because mm-hmm. everything based done offering so here I am with the eclipse sitting on top of my son and that's basically what I'm saying like let it unfold for the highest and use me according to your will um,
2: one of these channels that I follow a lot is named Bashar and he has this really good sentence that is circumstances don't matter state of being does yeah and I feel it. like that's totally aligned with kind of your whole you know philosophy and stuff like whatever is happening outside of yourself is important but really the key is how you're able to be like transformative and present for yourself
0: right yeah you so? yeah Totally agree, and it's kind of weird that somebody pointed this out to me recently. I don't know if you ever followed the Stoics of Rome, like Marcus Aurelius, and but you know, the Stoics were sort of misunderstood as people that they were just like, well, expect the worst, and then you won't be disappointed. But yeah. that's really not that's really not what they said. What they actually said a lot was, you know, what what you were just saying that you have. Often, not that much control over the outer circumstances. Sometimes you do and then you're shown the actions to take, but sometimes you don't. But what you really have power about is learning some mastery over, over the mind. And I approach it, you know, a somewhat different way because I think I'm devotional by nature so mm. I like this idea that all seemed very cold to me like just master the mind and all <laughs> will be well you know, it seemed mm-hmm. very sort of patriarchal and yes. you know empty to me but the general idea I would say can be approached through devotion mm-hmm. that, that you know there's this thing that runs through all the books about how well I guess one way I would say it is that as you learn to befriend the mind and as you learn to befriend the inner child and all these parts that are trying to like take over and rule things through panic and fear that as you befriend those parts that's actually the way that the inner divine presents herself or himself is the inner divine comes through building this inner friendship
1: Mm. wow That's so interesting.
2: It's so comforting. Isn't it? I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: Very like powerful and nurturing. Yeah,
0: and it's nurturing not in that, you know, I was in a a couple different spiritual groups over the years and, uh, you know, back in my, especially in my twenties and thirties. And I was finding that, you know, the groups were just like, surrender, just do it. Meditation, (laughs) just do it, you know, and it was a little bit like a military camp. And, you know, in retrospect, all of that now seems very in that patriarchal mindset of make it happen, do it now, and bringing all of that kind of, you know, force into the spiritual life, which really then becomes one more stressor. Right. Mm -hmm. And everybody was looking at everybody else. Oh, well, they meditated twice today and I only meditated once. And (laughs) is she surrendering better than I (laughs) am? You know, who's the best Swami? And, you know, all of it was like, oh, my God. And then this route of learning, you know, to let the sinner devotion guide the way, it just started to dismantle all of that, that, that really there was you know this this idea even of how do you surrender a lot of it happens through invitation and offering as opposed to pushing and forcing which is the opposite like you can't surrender by forcing yourself to surrender it doesn't work
1: yeah 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 and and going back to your point about um you know I I'd mentioned in our uh, correspondence before we we got on on the podcast but uh, is a triple Capricorn. Oh
2: So, um,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yes. So, um, what,
0: what day are you, wait, not to capsize this, but what day are you
2: born? Born? Yeah. January 3rd.
0: January. Cap- oh, okay. So you're earlier. That's That's great. Okay. Go Thank ahead. You. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> but, but just going back to the, the, pra- the practical approach that you employ, I think is is a, a huge part of what kind of drew me to you mm. um, and to your work, and um, you know, particularly with "It's Not Your Money." I feel like it, a lot of a lot of your tools have crystallized in a way, and money. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> you know, I I like I said I <laughs> I've been talking with you and, and pract- you know practicing your work. I have outrageous openness. Your first book. I have Change Me Prayers, your second book. I don't have Make Me Your Own, but I will get it at some point. Um, (laughs) These are all of Tosha's books, by the way. You can find them at Toshasilver.com. But her latest book, It's Not Your Money, when we did that initial course in 2017, that, you know, you have a section in the book where you talk about the three stages of surrender. Yeah. And I read that, and I was like, holy shit. Mm. Like, this is... Basically, I I was just like so happy that you wrote that out because I was like, whoa, that is definitely what my path has been. And it was money and the practical nature of money, like literally paying your rent or food or whatever. Yeah. Every month or whatever. The using your tools with the practicality of your money supply. Um, Yeah. Really, really like hit the core of what surrender meant, at least for me. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I I I I say that in, in to celebrate your ability to allow people to learn how to to really get to that place, because it's not. Like you said, it's not something where you just can force yourself to surrender. It really takes a bunch of different, um, you, you teach about a bunch of different techniques and we can go into that. Um, I'd love to actually go into it a little bit, but. but.
0: Well, well yeah. I wonder, I, I'm really glad that you're bringing up that part about the three stages of offering of surrender, because I think it's, um, I'm just really glad you zeroed in on that because I think it's, it's. Maybe a topic that gets misunderstood a lot. So maybe can I say something about what you just mentioned? Because, Absolutely. Well, okay. So, so in the book, there's this part, and it's basically, you know, because offering the way the way that to me, genuine surrender happens isn't just from telling somebody to do it or having somebody beat themselves up because they can't do it, which is what happens a lot, that, that this act of offering where you take a burden, you take a problem, and you really hand it back to this force of love, to divine, and you're really saying, okay, I can't do this my way anymore. I'm really giving this to you to be shown the right actions and the right unfolding at the right time. But there's, there's three different levels of that. Uh, That's what Jeremiah is talking about. And so the, the first level is kind of no surrender. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the way we're taught to teach, to, to live in this culture, which would just be like, everything's mine. I want what I want. If I'm not getting it, I must be doing something wrong. Let me either beat myself up or try harder and, or just be mad at the world because it's not coming. And that's level one. And then and I would even say that a good portion of uh, law of attraction, when life is only about law of attraction, I'm, I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to manifest it, it's not coming, why isn't it coming? That all can be level one. Not that there aren't parts of law of attraction that are true, because there are parts that are true. But level two is often when people get an intellectual um, They get an intellectual interest in surrender, and so, and it's often because they're suffering. They're like, I'm trying to manifest this. I'm chasing my ass all over the place. Why isn't it coming? I don't know what to do, and so they start to think, well, maybe I should call in this force of love to help, but at level two, everything is still seen as belonging to the ego, so the money's, I want, I need this, I need my rent paid, I need work that makes me feel better, I need a partner, you know, whatever, it's still like mine. I want, I want, Mm -hmm. and I'm calling in God or the divine, kind of like a helper or a valet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like to say, like, you know, I'm saying, okay, this is all mine, but I need your assistance in getting what I want. And a lot of spiritual practices stay at level two. And right. in fact, there's a whole lot of spiritual groups out there that are completely based in level two. Like, let's, you know, let's just help you get more of what you want in life. But there is a level three, and that's really where the, I would say the books I do are based. And at level three, the my starts to dissolve and that's where life gets really really different and it starts to become i mean that's really the title of the book it's not your money it, it wasn't just like a cute thing to say it, it's like you really start to go into the awareness that everything actually belongs to this force of love not just as a concept but as a reality because If I got hit by a car today, nothing would come with me Mm -hmm. if I left the planet. You know, it's like it really none of it is ours. And once we really get that at a deep level, this level of surrender and offering becomes very embodied and almost exciting because you're like, well, if it is not mine, then you're really turning to that force of love and saying you can use me in any way you want. You kind of become like the chess piece that can go in any direction on the board Mm -hmm. because you're saying it's not mine. It's not mine. I'm here to be used as opposed to how can I use the universe to get more of what I want, which is level two.
1: Right. You're essentially flipping it.
0: You're flipping it. And, And what's funny is I think... Level three kind of comes on its own. And it these also you shift. I mean, you know, life is flux. Right. So it isn't like, oh, and then you're, you know, in, embedded in level three and you get some, you know, award. And that's where you are. Like, you know, you have a bad day and all of a sudden you're a raving lunatic at level one again. But you start to remember, oh, wait a minute. Actually, this isn't mine. Actually, I'm ready to be used as a force for good on the planet, let me offer everything back to the divine and you start to go into level three again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like a couple of the tools, well, we can, we can go through the, you know, there's a few things in it's not your money. I do want to talk about a couple of really powerful tool tools in the book. Um, One is, and this is stuff we've actually talked about on this podcast. So um, it's great to have the, you know, someone who could, You know, it's the horse's mouth, right? It's the person who I I learned it from. Um, But, you know, we've talked a lot about inner child work and uncourting work. And, uh, you know, those are are two incredibly powerful tools that I had no idea about. And when um, I started learning about them from you, um, it aligned with a lot of different other aspects in my life where I, I, I realized... You become more energetically sensitive in a certain way, particularly with the, the courting yeah. stuff, um, and also with the inner child stuff. Where it's like, if you drop down to that level two, or I know it's not really a hierarchy, but if you go to level, yeah. or, or if you go to level one or level two, a lot of times the tools that you write about, once you tap back into that and you you use the tools that you're describing, you can bring yourself back to level three. Um,
0: That's that's very true. I mean, especially I would say with the inner, with this work with the inner child, so often, you know, the, the part that's saying, oh, my God, I'm so scared that my needs aren't going to be met. I'm so scared that, you know, I'll always be abandoned or I'm so scared that I'll be neglected. That is so often not the adult. That is this part on the inside, which is young and vulnerable and rightfully terrified, because it may well not have had its needs met when it was little. And so a portion of the book, not that this idea is novel, and there are other many books out there that, that describe getting to know the inner child, but I think that the difference in It's Not Your Money is it's specifically for the purpose of, as you become as your identity starts to become the one who's caring for the child as opposed to being the child, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> like just being the one who's having the tantrum every day, actually becoming the one who's saying to that kid, I love you, I'm going to care for you, I'm not going to beat you anymore, I'm not going to torture you anymore, that as you become that, you actually get more and more anchored in that inner divine, and then as you're saying, you you start to trust letting yourself be in level three, you know, you, you don't need to grasp Mm -hmm. all that level one and level two come out of the grasping and the clinging often of the fearful child. So,
1: yeah, yeah. And then with the uncording stuff too, and I think with both of these, they're also tools for, as we were talking about, just tapping into your intuition, Mm -hmm. you know, um, particularly with the, with the courting work where you realize how much you can take on other people's energy. Um, And it's, it's hard to hear yourself because you have other people's kind of record players going on in your head Mm -hmm. and in your body. Um,
0: Yeah, it's true. I, there's, you know, I wasn't sure when we, when I wrote the book, I really wasn't sure if I was going to include the courting part or not, because I was like, are people going to really understand this? Is this going to be too esoteric? And in fact, the things that, you know, thousands of letters have come in since the initial course and now especially since the book is out. And people that, you know, again, as you would say, would normally not call themselves esoteric or woo-woo or any of that, they're going, I see a rope that has always connected me, say, to my father, that has always made me fearful of, that I would just relive all my father's mistakes or that rope has always made me feel scared of being myself. And that when I went in and took that rope off and just sent him love, but didn't need to be roped anymore from this uh, other level, my whole life changed. Mm. And, you know, these are people that are normally very, you know, practical Not, oh, I'm not into this stuff. And they're applying these tools and I partly love that about this work is that if you you know what I've always felt is if you can describe this stuff in ways that are pragmatic enough it really doesn't matter if somebody says oh yeah you know I've been on a spiritual path for 30 years it just doesn't matter you you just need something deconstructed in a, a practical enough way that somebody with curiosity can learn it
1: mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to ask? <laughs> <leave>. No,
2: <clears throat> I don't really. I mean, I've, you know, I know about you because of Jeremiah and, you know, I read, it's not your money. So I'm just sort of listening <laughs> to the conversation <laughs> without, you know, it's not, uh, I love the idea of surrendering and being back to like a wholeness and a divinity and that working through you. Um, yeah. um, But it's just, I don't know, sometimes I find it doesn't always resonate with me in, I don't know why, it just, it's a difficult, well, it's not difficult, I just, it's kind of like who then, the divinity is working through you, you're taking on whatever's offered, you're accepting, you're allowing, but then like, what is the relationship between the personality self And the divinity self, and what is their relationship together? And maybe that's what's confusing to me, or yeah, yeah. I'm 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 happy to talk about that. Yeah, I'd love to.
0: I think it's a great question, and I think it's something that gets misunderstood a lot because, I mean, I certainly know when I was in one of the To Be Nameless groups that I was in (laughs) back (laughs) decades ago. I now can look back and go, wow, there was almost uh, uh, this idea that there was a kind of spiritual regimentation uh, that, that made it seem as if you would lose your personality or even that you should, that, you know, I mean, you meet people like that sometimes. They're like spiritual robots in a way. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, they just walk around with these kind of glazed smiles on their faces and they're like, it's all good. <laughs> you know, they just heard somebody was raped. They're like, it's all good. She's working out her <laughs> karma. And you're listening to this stuff and you're like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Like, really, are you out of your mind? Because to me, it's, this is all a paradox. And so this, you know, on the one hand, first of all, this force of the divine is not on the outside, right? It's right. not some, you know, it's not some uh, poltergeist or demon that takes over. It's not some guy in the sky who's sending thunderbolts. It's it's the great eye on the inside that takes the lead. And so to me, there's these two presences on the inside one is the me which is the personality level and right. it's 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 beautiful it's not there to be exterminated like I see it like that's what makes each person unique it's what w- makes each person um, that vital essence is the is the me personality and then there's the great eye which to me is perhaps the soul level mm-hmm. that has come through every incarnation there's some essence which, goes through all the different lives Mm -hmm. that is like the the through line Mm -hmm. and so really what starts to happen is the me is in a way begins to have the freedom to become even more itself because you're no longer making other people your divine you're no longer saying oh I'm here to please you I'm here to like adapt myself so that hopefully you'll like me The anchoring starts to happen on the inside, in that great eye, in that through line, that soul. And then the me starts to blend with it. Do Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I would say that the the me starts to serve the eye. It's not about getting rid of it. And I do think it's you see cults and you see groups where, yes, the purpose of it is for the me. Be but sort of become some bizarro version of the teacher or something, and it, to me, it's a real misunderstanding of what this is.
2: Right. Well, it's about the ability to face your own inner godliness, and then you mesh with that, right? And then exactly. that pushes you through to like being able to expand and ride the wave.
0: <laughs> exactly. And 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 I. But I really. Like when I first understood the idea of the me and the I, it really helped mm-hmm. because you're like, they're both parts of your being. It's just that we live in a culture that only honors the me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it just says the, the small self, I don't even love that term, but you know, for lack of a better word, the ego mind is, is all that matters. If you can somehow get everything that it's telling you at once, you're going to get some kind of. Happiness, which then you find over and over, oh, what's going on? It's not actually bringing all that happiness. So, the discovery of letting this greater I take the lead, then the me has a job. Like, the me has a fun job. It's like, well, the I is running the show. So then the me can just be itself. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: That's wonderful. I love that.
1: No. I'm
0: so glad you asked that because I think it's it's really it's it's a really core thing to this to this work is is that mediating between the two
2: Yeah, I feel like Jeremiah and I kind of talk about that a lot
1: yeah, we do
2: and that yeah
0: well, and also the the thing I was going to say about that is you can see how much we're we're really taught to overthink. Mm-hmm. things and that there's so many things that like I find this like you, they, they get understood through the intuition and through the body and not so much through the mind which you know it's funny to say to somebody that you know is intellect very intellectually based but really like when you were saying well how do you figure this all out like how does the me not lose its personality but how does the I take over and then you start to realize The mind can't work out this paradox, but the inner self, the inner self knows how to work it out. Like there's a line in the money book that just says the way knows the way, even when you don't know how the way knows the way. Mm -hmm. It's like that me, the more you're inviting in this force of love to take over, even when you say, I don't know what the hell to do next. I have no idea. I can't figure out this quandary but intuitively show me the next step, that's when the way starts to take over the way.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that.
1: Yeah. It, I don't, Tush, are you familiar with Seth?
2: You know,
0: that's so funny. I read the Seth books probably when I was in my 20s, Jane Roberts, and yeah. I love, I love them. And I, like, they were maybe one of the very first, you know, metaphysical things I ever read.
2: I think she was, though. I think those books were the first, like, big time on the market. Anyway, what are you going to say? No, no, so I
1: was just just going to say, so Celine introduced me to to the Seth book, so, you know, with all this stuff, I mean, everyone's coming coming from it from their own perspective with their own information or whatever, so when I read, you know, there's a part in one of the Seth books where he talks about Framework 1 and Framework 2, and I feel like that's exactly the same thing, where Framework 1 is essentially the me-
2: the ego the egoic world yeah and then yeah. the framework
1: two is the is this greater I f- situation happening where the
2: bigger soul yeah with
1: the higher soul um yeah. and yeah and the whole idea of like he talks about like trusting that there's something greater kind of guiding you yeah yeah. It.
0: Yes. yeah i used to i used to read those books like like they were mana from heaven because i I (laughs) I felt the same way (laughs) i mean it was funny i think i was 22 or 23 it was like right around the time i was really learning astrology too and i was like holy god man like it was so you know because i think when you're a certain kind of being that there's a essential truths I mean I haven't read them in so many years I don't read like when you're saying that it's pinging this little tiny part of my brain from a million years ago Mm -hmm. but I remember feeling like I was reading something very familiar that some part of me knew
2: yeah
0: to be so and like why was anybody talking about this and you know why wasn't this in Hebrew school when I went uh, stuff <laughs> like this was the stuff I needed, right? That's the good stuff. Yes. This is the good stuff. The good
1: stuff. I know. hundred percent. Um well I know you you do have to go. Yeah. There's so there's absolutely so much more we could talk about. Um I don't know, Tosha, if you wanted to, you know, add anything if you wanted to talk about Um, it's not your money a little bit more, um, if, you know, talking about the, the change me prayer or, um, you know, the, the cleaning, we can go through that. I'm more than happy to, but it's really, it's up to you and your schedule. I don't want to, um, impede.
0: You, You know, I think, I think the, you're giving a, like, I, I think you guys are doing a great job giving a kind of overview oh you know either either people are coming to your podcast that are familiar with this work or they're going to be listening to this going wow this is kind of interesting let me go google her and they'll they'll find it all pretty quickly because I, what i guess i find with this work is that people find it when they're ready
2: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah. that is just that is just the deal and the letters i've gotten have been so amusing to me because somebody will say, like, uh, my girlfriend gave me a copy of Outrageous Openness four years ago, and I put it on in my bathroom behind the toilet because I had no interest in it. And then four years later, I was in a crisis, and I picked up the book, and I read it in a day, and now I'm hysterically crying writing to you because my whole life has changed.
2: I love and that stuff.
0: That happens all the time with these books. And so I've kind of given up, you know, any idea that I have to, you know, sell them or convince anybody or it's like they people really get guided to them when the time is right. And on often there's like a certain spectrum of people that find it because they're so exhausted by trying to manifest and control their whole lives and finding that it doesn't work for them and they're so exhausted that they want another route and so i'd say there's a big spectrum of people that come out of that and then there's other people that they're just ready to move into a different level of consciousness that really comes from that surrender and offering and then they find it but it happens at the time that's right and i never you know, someone said to me recently, well, aren't you, aren't you hurt when someone says to you, yeah, I didn't see the value of your work for five years. And I'm like, no, it has nothing to do with me. It just wasn't the right time yet.
1: Yeah. 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 I've definitely gotten outrageous openness for, that's like one of my number one gifts for people. Really? <laughs> For sure. And, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, I, I think when I was younger, I used to be like, just, you know, surrender, offer this. And now I don't do that anymore. Because, yeah, you know, I'll do it if people are open to it. But um, it is really one of those things where uh, people aren't ready, or it's, it's not even ready or not ready. It's like, it's just maybe- reading the room. Yeah, but it's also like maybe that's not what they want or need right now, you know? like
2: Right. It's like not the language or the terminology right. that resonates with them. When essentially it's all kind of the same idea, I think, at the end of the day, just said differently.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that there's something about people's people's paths. I mean, without this sounding like a platitude, people's paths really unfold at the rate that is needed Mm -hmm. and that i'm trying to remember this thing i read the other day but it was like a a breakdown of the word love and it was something like letting ourselves oh i can't it was basically that you you give people the room to evolve at the rate that they're meant to Right. Rather than telling them this is how it should be happening and you're somehow, you know, making a mistake if you're not doing it the way mm-hmm. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, that's basically a, a portion of the books is, is, is that if you listen on the inside, you'll know the rate of what you, – because you're no longer the one leading your spiritual evolution. I guess, I guess before we stop, that's one more point I'd like to make is mm-hmm. that this isn't self-help by any stretch of the imagination and it's one of the jokes to me of the universe that amazon you know always (laughs) puts these books in the self-help section when they're actually the opposite and that you know no shade against the self-help movement i know it's it's helped a lot of people's lives, but this isn't what this is. This is actually the divine takes the hell over mm-hmm. sometimes quite painfully because the ego is like, Oh my God, I, you know, w- what's going to happen if I'm not running everything. But when it's time for something greater than the ego mind to run things, people often find these books and, It's They very quickly say, wow, this has nothing to do with self-help. In fact, it's more that rigidity starts to dissolve so that the flow really shows what it needs as opposed to what we think should be happening. So it's like a greater agenda starts to uh, guide
1: things. I think that's a pretty great way to end it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, I loved your terminology of yourself when you're younger in um, it's not your money and you call yourself the queen of catastrophe and that's me (laughs) oh my god well as a triple Capricorn I know such a little nervous Nell but also very relaxed it's very very confusing anyway we can edit that out I just wanted to tell her that
0: (laughs) you don't even have to edit that out I think it's helpful because it's well I won't tell you what to edit out how about that but (laughs) But you know, as as a Capricorn, what I think I just have to say that because you you know is is that it's it's a little bit like I think the more that that Capricorn part just wants a job. That's how I see it. Is like it's ruled by Saturn and it needs something to do, mm-hmm. and so it takes itself on like all right. I'm just going to be hyper vigilant about everything to make sure everything unfolds the way it needs to. And at some point that all that Saturn energy, you go, wow, I can give you another job. Like, thank you so much for what you're doing. But actually you haven't brought a lot of peace into my life. So you can like be hyper vigilant about everything, but we'll also do this. Mm -hmm. And then I, I find that it, it calms down a lot because it likes being useful. And for me, the way it was useful was to turn my life into a living hell, thinking it was thinking it was
2: helping. Yeah, yeah. You know, Capricorns. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a great sign. I, I like it anyway. Anyway.
1: Well. Yeah. Thank you, thank Tosha, you so, much. so much for I'm so glad, us I'm with so
2: your glad
0: I said yes. It was really yeah. a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and um, we're really excited to share it with everyone. Yes. Um, we'll let you know when the episode comes out.
0: And, yeah, thank you. Uh, it's weird because, you know, when you said, well, we just get on there and we just chat, and I and I was like, you know, I used to do that with certain podcasts, and then I was like, all of a sudden they're like, So who are you gonna vote for in twenty twenty? And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not <laughs> what I'm here for. Like I actually really need to talk about this work. <laughs> so
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I, I hope we were able to share. You were great.
0: You were really great. So thank you. You're both terrific. Oh. And um I'm thanks for asking me. Of course. Thank, thank you, Tosh. Okay. Talk to you later.
1: Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Yeah.
2: That was fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, full circle.
1: Yeah, that was full circle. Right. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I loved it. Um very cool. So, yeah. uh I hope everyone we hope everyone enjoyed that episode. Definitely. Super awesome that Tosha
2: He just made a great body convulsion movement. Yeah, like it was wonderful. Said
1: yes and um, was on the podcast. Um, Definitely check out her work, Toshasilver.com. All her books are awesome. If you're not familiar with any of her work, just start with the first one, Outrageous Openness. Um, It's a super easy read. It's just like a bunch of um, stories from her life and her clients lives and friends lives and just showing these concepts of surrender and offering and how they play out um, in really fascinating ways. I will
2: say I loved talking with her for many reasons. She's amazing, but I loved understanding more of how she's coming from a feminine divine divinity energy Totally, that I did not get from any of our discussions so far. And, um, Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, like her discussion of like this, like rigidity and this sort of like you must do this right now, and like how that's so male patriarchy energy, and so she was like, nope, I'm gonna try to flip it around and go from this like inner softness and surrendering, and so it was very very enlightening for me.
1: Awesome. Cool. That's great. Um, Yeah. I want. I was like hoping that you guys would interact too, because I knew that I could have easily dominated that whole but I think it was
2: good for you to do that, you know? Yeah, like yeah. that was like your <coughs> person, your start, you know, like I, I was just interested to listen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um but no, that was super cool. Yeah. And could have I gone on for so long. Um I was very conscientious <laughs> of making sure that we didn't go over uh but so um
2: quick announcement. Quick
1: announcement. Um, you may have noticed that this past Tuesday, um, the sixteenth of July, we didn't release a podcast. Yeah. We were planning on taking a break. Yep. And then this opportunity came up. So we surprise. Were like, boom. <laughs> we're gonna do this. Um, but Selena and I are gonna be taking a few weeks off. Yep.
2: To regroup, recharge.
1: Regroup, recharge, let the field lie fallow, which is one of my favorite. Oh, Saying it's kind of a biblical thing, where you know, as a farmer, every seven years, you the seventh year you don't farm the field; you let the field grow so that the nutrients and oh, the yeah. soil remains healthy.
2: Of course, you would quote some, you know, biblical <laughs> terms.
1: <laughs> so, so we're gonna let the field lie fallow for yep. a few weeks.
2: <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then we're going to come back. And we'll with be back. So much weird stuff, I hope.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, a lot more guests. Um, yeah. We hope everyone has been enjoying the guests that we've had on. Yes. And stay tuned. Have a wonderful summer. Yes. Keep cool. Stay hydrated. Wear a
2: sunscreen and,
1: and a sun hat. Yeah.
2: Okay, just <laughs>
1: it's for sleep.
2: For me, please. Okay. All right, well, thanks, guys. We'll see you soon.
1: Okay. Love bye. you, bye. <laughs>